This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I'm your host, Jethro Jones, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. This episode is brought to you by John Cat Educational, a professional development publisher serving as the global leader in combining both research and practice in all materials. Find timely PD publications to support yourself and your faculty by visiting them online at us.johncatbookshop.com. Great instruction gets students engaged. TeachFX equips teachers with the instructional strategies and job-embedded feedback they need to get students engaged in virtual or in-person classes. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com slash transformative principle. Welcome to Transformative Principle. Today, I am excited to have Bill Klaus on the program. Bill has been a principal for 26 years, and he's been an educator for 31 years. He's a principal in Wisconsin, and he is retiring this year, and I thought it'd be wise to get a hold of him before he actually retired, because I'm pretty sure he's going to go off the grid once he does retire. So, Bill, welcome to Transformative Principle. Thank you, Jethro. Very likely you will, nobody will see me for a long time unless I grow out my hair. Yeah. Get a beard. You can finally start your pandemic beard once you're out of education. That'll be good. You've been in the mastermind with me for the last uh, year and a half, and I've learned so many great things about you. One of the things we're going to get to today towards the end of the interview is your billisms, which are a delight in our mastermind meetings. We're going to start by talking about staff meetings and how you are the king of eliminating staff meetings. So let's start with that. Why are staff meetings such a waste of time? Well, there's always one standing agenda item on a staff meeting, and that's for staff members to bitch and complain about something that they think should be done differently. They're not very conducive to making true action happen. I've got a staff of 39 people, so I've got 39 opinions, and I hate to say it, but none of them really count that much to me most times. Um, I've been in my current school district for 16 years. And I quickly tried to figure out who are the people that can make things happen for me and not necessarily for me, but with me, who are the shakers, who are the makers. And unfortunately, out of those uh, original five or six, most of them have retired, but I've always tried to, you know, one person slides out, retires. I've tried to find somebody else who can fill that void. Um, I have one staff member here that I've leaned on probably so much that his back is probably sore from me leaning on him. 
he's a social studies teacher, uh, teaches half-time, and he helps me out with discipline half-time, and he also happens to be uh, the union president. I figure that we're very fortunate. We've got a very soft union here, but they've always had the mentality that we're here to protect somebody's due process rights. We're not here to protect the weak teacher. And they're not afraid to, you know, sit in the background and let me just, uh, you know, chew a teacher up one down, up one side and down the other side. If they've got it coming, they've got it coming. I've always tried to work with the union. I've been very successful at it here, uh, less successful at my previous school, which is maybe probably why I didn't want to be there very much longer. I just feel that there are better ways to get things accomplished than to try to hash them out at a staff meeting with 39 opinions. Early in my career here, I developed what I call the the building leadership team. And they're the people really that make things happen. They're the leaders of of our PLCs. So, you know, if I've got an idea for something new, a change that needs to be made, I start with them. And I always figure it's going to take me about four months to really get something going. Uh, The first month is you break the good news to them. And uh, then you got to let the shock wear off. Uh, second month, bring it back, talk a little bit more detail, and then I have them take it back to their PLCs, and then they have to have a month to let the shock wear off with their PLC. Usually by that third month, we're starting to talk some action, and by the fourth month, we will hit the ground running. It's more effective, I think, to to work with a small group than a large group just because you you can influence a small group a lot easier. And you can have good collegial conversation about what's good with your idea, what's not going to work with your idea. I tend to listen to that group a lot more than I do if we have a large staff meeting. I want to break there for just a second and and talk about that because I think you glossed over something that's really important, which is the the work doesn't get done in big thirty nine person staff meetings. The work gets done in the small in the small groups of PLCs and yep. different ways of doing things. And, and so taking something to that big group, um, it's not that you don't care about the opinions of those people in that setting. You certainly don't because everybody's getting, you know, the first blush to it. What the opinions you care about are after people have talked about it and been shocked, as you said, and then can start to come to grips with it. That's when you really care about their opinions because that's when their opinions are not just opinions, but they're a reason. They're a thought process that they've put into it. Is that a fair summary of that? Much less emotion after they've had a little ch- chance to just kind of mull it over. Um, so it's kind of like the, fr- the the big staff meeting is like everybody's emotional response to an issue, which doesn't get us anywhere. What we need are their thoughts and reasons and ideas behind that. Right. You get in a large staff meeting, you get a lot of mob mentality. Somebody might hop on board just because of the emotion that's present. I prefer to work with smaller groups because you can have that, that collegial conversation. Um, I'll even, uh, I even offer up to sit in on all the PLCs. Um, if there's a couple PLCs that I think they're a little bit uh, wishy-washy or maybe not uh, real supportive, I will purposely sit in on those just so I can make sure that the message that is going out is my message. I want their input, but I want everybody to keep their eye on the ball. Yeah. And so having that vision of where we're going and then helping people understand what that vision is, what that message is, becomes really important because as you're putting these changes into place, 
then you have the opportunity to stay focused and not let emotional responses take us away. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about how you use people in the right way for them? Um, Specifically, like finding people and bringing out their strengths rather than forcing somebody to do something that they're not good at? Sure. Um, I've got my English PLC. I'll use them as an example. Um, The leader of the PLC is a great starter and a poor finisher. So I'm fortunate enough to have a a couple of good finishers in there. They'll take the ball and get across the goal line. So it's just, I think it's just knowing your staff, uh, knowing what their capabilities are and hopefully creating a PLC or a small work group that has a variety of skills. My superintendent has been known as a great a great starter, but I'm all, I've always been a finisher. I take I'm not exactly the quickest to change because I want to make sure I've got all the little details covered because the details are what's going to bite you in the butt in the long run. I'm more of a finisher, and I, I tend to gravitate toward people who are like me. Well, I think we all do. I mean, we all try to surround ourselves with those who are most like us. And and I think that's a, an important thing to recognize. And what I appreciate about you, Bill, is that you can see what somebody's strength is and you can acknowledge it without judgment. And so that English PLC lead isn't a bad person because they're a starter and not a finisher, but you've recognized that as as a starter, they're good to have on your leadership team because they yeah. help you get the things going, but then the rest of the team is the one who carries it to the finish line. Right. She's got great ideas. She's a great idea person. And, you know, I can appreciate that. I'm a little bit slow to get started, but I'm always a strong finisher. <laughs> so what are some other examples of how you have gotten to know people well enough to know what they're good at so that you can use them in the right way. I think early on, I learned that you need to be present and not just in the hallways in the morning. You need to be by their classrooms, in their classrooms. I think if you study people and their personalities, you're going to quickly find out what, what are their, their strong traits. And, you know, even when I'm interviewing uh, for new staff, I'm trying to look for somebody who can, fill a void within a particular department or fill a void within the staff, you know, there's got to be chemistry. Um, If you don't have chemistry within your department and within your staff, you know, you're going to be going in different directions all the time. I really look for people who are go-getters. I've got a couple of staff members that wanted to get started with Google Classroom about six years ago, maybe even longer. And I just, I, I did the best that I could do. And the best thing I could do was stay out of their way. Just, just step back and said, you guys go crazy. And when you're ready to start training staff, let's do that. The following year, we were training staff on how to do Google uh, Classroom and Google Apps. And uh, it's put us in a really good position with the current situation with COVID that our staff is very adept at uh, doing remote learning and remote learning at the same time they've got kids in the classroom. And that all started, like I said, seven years ago. I'll throw a billism. Wouldn't for dumb luck, I'd have no luck at all. That's great. So, um, so you've been able to find people, find their strengths, be able to help them see something. And then, like you said, get out of their way. I think that really is an important strategy for a principal to have that when you have somebody who can do something, you know, you don't need to micromanage it or 
figure out a way to make it work in the way you want it. If you can just let them go, then that that gives them a much greater success. What's a, an example of besides Google Classroom of something where you've seen that happen? Well, I think there's a lot of different things. If, if somebody has, I've always said that if somebody comes to me with a good idea, it's their idea and they're, they're going to make sure that it doesn't fail. So they're going to put all their time and effort that they have for it to be successful. And if somebody comes to me with that passion for whatever it is, I got to support that passion and I'll fight for them to you know get the resources that they need in order to follow through with that passion. Because if they're passionate about it, it's, it's probably good for them. It's probably good for kids. And if it's good for kids, that's what we're here about. Very well said. So one of the one of the other things that you've talked a lot about is how good your admin team is in your district. What has made your admin team so good in your opinion? We've got a very special group. Um, our admin team is five people. I think what makes us such a special group is that we genuinely get along. We genuinely like each other. Um, we are texting each other night and day. It, it just drives my wife nuts when my text messages start binging at night. She knows it's nine times out of 10. It's, it's a bunch of nonsense, but it's that kind of nonsense that kind of keeps us connected. Our admin meetings are very lighthearted. A lot of joking around probably could be uh, grounds for filing harassment against each other, but we just get along. We have a lot of fun. And <clears throat> the interesting thing is, is we don't have fun just in staff meetings or admin meetings. We have fun when we're out in halls. The teachers see that, the kids see that. And I think it becomes contagious that, hey, we're here for some serious business, but we can have some fun too. You know, our, our admin team, um, I'll be honest, I haven't heard from my superintendent since uh, Saturday night. And it was a little bit unnerving this morning until I realized he's gone at a meeting today. That's why I'm not getting text messages or phone calls or emails. I've known our superintendent. We were both at a previous school. So I've known him for 22 years. I've worked with our elementary principal now for 10 years. Uh, and when she came in, she had an absolute mess, and I tried to help her out as much as I could. Our director of pupil services has now been with us for four years, and our director of teaching and learning is in her second year. Um, when we hired Gretchen as our director of teaching and learning, we looked for specific traits because it was important for us to maintain that atmosphere within our admin team. Um, I know that I know that they're going to be interviewing for my position already next week, and that's what they're going to be looking for is somebody who can fill the void that I am creating. But I don't want that someone to have all of my same traits because we need to things need to go to the next level. We need some fresh ideas, some fresh hands, some fresh eyes because I've been here 16 years and I've put my mark on this district and somebody else has to put a new mark on this district in order for everybody to move forward. John Cat Educational supports high quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer. 
a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval. One book that says, Stop Talking and Start Doing with Regard to Teacher Well-Being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. During COVID, every teacher is a new teacher. That's why innovative school leaders are turning to TeachFX, whose professional learning platform doubles student engagement online or in person. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com slash transformative principle. I created a new podcast with my friend Frederick Lane called Cybertraps. We are exploring the myriad risks and adverse consequences that can arise from the use and misuse of digital devices and electronic communication tools. Please subscribe to the Cybertraps podcast, and if you like it, please give us a rating. Here's an excerpt from an interview with Eric Stevens on the value of identity and being ethical in our work with underserved populations. If I approach my research with the intention of helping a group of people, but I'm using the data that they themselves have created and have been replicated by their, their own personal identity, replicated over and over and over and over, my research is already flawed ethically. Some people, that's not a big thing. For me, it was problematic because I didn't want to feel like I was exploiting people, but I still wanted to help. What I ended up creating was I wanted to understand the prison system at the language level across time um, and across space in the United States. Um, basically, I wanted to understand if we send a person to prison, we're sending them to a correctional facility um, with correctional officers. And we give them handbooks to say, hey, this is what you should be doing. What I wanted to answer was at the language level with the technical documents that we hand to um, an inmate, what are we correcting them to? To what standard are we asking them to be at the language level? Check out more from this interview at cybertraps.com slash seven. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the mastermind and what that has done for you as a leader approaching your last year. When you joined me uh, in the mastermind, you were contemplating retiring and then decided to stay for another year. So talk to us about how the mastermind has helped you. Well, initially, um, I was a little bit skeptical about the mastermind. I didn't know you, Jethro. I didn't know the other people. I knew Erica from our elementary school. But it, for me, it's just an outlet to kind of talk through problems that we're having. Two weeks ago, I was in the hot seat and uh, two or three weeks ago, and I had some issues. I was trying to wrap my head around, what are we going to do for graduation? What are we going to do for prom? What are we going to do for our awards, senior awards program? And I had some ideas down, but I wasn't confident in those ideas. But to hear from the other people in the mastermind, um, the great ideas that they came up with, you know, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? To me, it's, it's a great outlet because I'm in a small school district. I'm the only high school principal we have. I don't have anybody else who I can talk about 
the issues that I'm dealing with because nobody else is in my position. Just like Erica is the only elementary principal. I don't get elementary. I've never been an elementary person. And thank God I never will be. I think they would eat me alive. So we've got to have those other people just to bounce ideas off of. And I think that's that's the probably the one thing that has been uh, uh, the best for me from the mastermind is just to talk out other people's problems, talk out your problems, share good ideas, and, and maybe not even share a good idea, but maybe the root of a good idea. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's been fun for me. I've really enjoyed it. It's uh, one of the things that I will miss when I'm done with this gig. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And we'll certainly miss you as well. I appreciate that you were skeptical. What was it that made you skeptical in the beginning and how have you overcome that? And not knowing me, sure, that's a, that's certainly an issue, but there are people who are listening to this, who've heard me talk about the mastermind for years now, because they've been listening to the podcast for so long. What was it that made you um, say, okay, this is actually worth my time? Um, I think it was that my skepticism was prior to when we, when you met with our admin team last was the last December, a year ago in December, had no clue what the meeting was about. We were looking at getting into the orange frog um, and we were looking for, I think Greg had met you at a conference or became acquainted with you at a conference. And I was just like, Oh God, just another initiative. Do I really want to get into another initiative when I'm looking at pulling my pin? Um, but that meeting with you in December, just kind of listening to you. And when we got done, we talked administratively and that's when Greg said, Hey, are you guys interested in this? Uh, you know, Erica and I, and, uh, my response was, yeah, I'll give it a shot. What do we have to lose? Especially when he was paying for it out of his budget, it wasn't coming out of mine. That's kind of like a birthday gift in the middle of the year. You had me hooked in that first meeting. I think it was something that I was missing at that point in my career. I think in some respects, the mastermind kind of lit a fire, stoked the fire anyway. And uh, I think had some responsibility for me deciding to go one more year. So I'm blaming you for part of that, Jethro. I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it was something in my own professional development that I was missing. With the COVID and everything, a lot of PD has gone by the wayside, but I'm fortunate to sit in on the mastermind every Thursday morning. I sit in with a group of conference principals every Wednesday morning, and I sit in with a group of regional principals every other Friday. And that is my the extent of my professional development is just talking with colleagues. And I'm excited about the retirement, but I'm a little, it's a little bittersweet. I know there's a lot of things I'm going to miss, and there's a lot of things that I want to get done yet before I leave here this year. And my wife yelled at me last week and said, geez, don't you know when to quit? And we had some students who struggled first semester. And now that uh, the grades are in and we've got a lot of one-legged A's, what are we going to do to fix those one-legged A's? How are we going to help those students? Because the number is a little higher than, than normal. And I said, we, you know, we can't just say, okay, they can repeat the class next year because I know what's going to happen three years from now if we don't address it now. We're going to have a lot of kids that are going to be on the brink of not graduating with their class. And, you know, that's just not who I am. That's not what I'm about. And I put out a message to my building leadership team this morning. We're going to meet a week from Friday. And here's what we're going to meet about. Start coming up with ideas because we are going to do this. Yeah. Well, and I, I appreciate what you said about 
having a group of people that you can go to for support and asking for help with the mastermind specifically. I mean, you had a great admin team, you had conference principals and you had the other group that you met on Friday. You had a lot of support in place already. And what what I call the mastermind is just in time professional development. You get the help that you need right when you need it, which is what to me makes it so powerful. As you mentioned that you know, maybe the mastermind is partly to blame for you sticking around another year. I think how fortunate your district is that, you know, we started meeting in the mastermind and you made that decision before the pandemic hit. And for someone else to come in in the middle of the pandemic in your district would have been a real challenge. And so I just appreciate that, that you were able to stick it out and, and be there for another year. And it's not like, you know, everything's fine when you retire and everything's back to normal. It certainly won't be. But the power is that you were able to, to be that consistent guiding influence still, even during the most upheaved school year that we've ever had. It's amazing what two weeks means. Yeah. We shut down on, on March 16th, and I said to the team, I'm coming back for one more year on March 1st. So if I had just held off for two more weeks, I might not be having this conversation with you. Part of my decision was this district has been very good to me. We've had wonderful school boards who trust our admin team. We've got a community that is very supportive. I look at all the good work that we've done the last 10 years that this team has been together, facilities and athletic facilities, and you know our, our curriculum has all been revamped. Our state scores are up. We got a very good report card every year. And I just thought trying to throw somebody into that who was unfamiliar with the district, unfamiliar with the kids, some of the decisions that we've had to make with remote learning and, uh, you know, kids not being able to eat with their friends at lunch. And, you know, it's just all those little things. I think a new person would have struggled with that. But because I know the parents and, and the kids and they know me, they know where I'm coming from. And I think uh, that's part of the reason why things happened so smoothly is that none of those decisions were challenged. So I think that that would have been a tough, tough position for a new person. It's still going to be a tough position to come into, but it'll be much better, you know, in 2021 than it was in 2020. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So the time has come. Let's talk about some of your billisms. You mentioned one already about the luck. Say that one again, because you have a way of saying it that's so good. I have to get it exactly right. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. That's actually, I stole that from Hee Haw and anybody who watched Hee Haw back in the 70s and 80s. Oh, that's great. All right. So you already gave an example of that one. What's what's another one of your billisms and, and an example? I know one of the first ones that I shared in Mastermind. Is, I'm a Western Minnesota boy. That's where I was born and raised. And so out in Minnesota, we just say how it is. That's You got to tell it like where the bear shits in the buckwheat. Okay, and what does that mean for those of us who are not from Minnesota? That means you, That means it is what it is. You tell it like it is. Okay, very good. All right, another one. Oh, gosh. I'm an, I'm, I'm, they you know, they come so naturally to me because I'm really a lot like my father. and He was full <laughs> of shit. They just come. They're off the cuff. They're just things that I've learned uh, that have stuck with me throughout my life. Um you know, some of them come from my great grandpa, who was a very influential person in my early childhood. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, my dad. My dad was not a very well educated person, but he really was very supportive in education. I've got seven brothers and sisters. 
I'm the first and only one to graduate from college. So my dad always supported me, you know, quietly from behind the scenes. And he, one thing he said to me one time was, I was, I just said, I don't know what I'm doing. And he goes, education is never wasted. So continue what you're doing. And, you know, from a, from a guy who <laughs> I always said, the principal probably signed his diploma around 10th or 11th grade and was hoping that he would just walk out one of these days. He was a, he was a hellraiser, but man, he was a great man. Yeah. So what, what do we do with our racehorses? You, you stroke your racehorses and you shoot your jackasses. All right. And how do we interpret that? <laughs> that means when you got good people, you got to stroke them. You got to make them feel good and want to keep them around. And when you've got, uh, you know, people who are weak, you try to find a way to uh, quietly give them an invitation to leave. Mm-hmm. So, yep, I've had to do that more than a few times in my career. And I think it's, it, it makes your staff stronger. Mm-hmm. You, you have to be realistic to see that sometimes people just are not a good fit or they're just not a good teacher. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to tell them that. Yeah, for sure. And when you don't, then you do what Chris Licurdo calls sanctioned incompetence, where you yeah. say, it's okay for this person to be awful and we all just need to put up with it, which n- nobody likes that. People don't want to stay in your school if you are sanctioning incompetence. Well, and the kids can see through it. Those yep. Kids are a lot smarter than we always give them credit for. They know where. They know when someone cares, they know when someone is competent, and they know when they're also, when they don't care and when they're incompetent. Yeah. All right. And so the final question I have, and you can throw in a couple more billisms into this if you'd like, but what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you, Bill? I think I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. You need to be present. Staff needs to know that you're there. Kids need to know that you're there. Staff need to know that you'll do anything that you can within your power to make things happen for them. Kids just need to know that somebody cares. There's not enough of that at home nowadays. I think if I I can walk out into the commons during lunch at it, or the cafeteria any day of the week, and I can strike up a conversation with a kid, they know that I'm there. I've, I think after 16 years, I, I, I'm tried and true. I hope they'll miss me, but I also hope they won't miss me when I'm gone. I just think that when I came 16 years ago, the staff and students gave me a chance. And the one thing that that I've always made sure you do in your first year in a new school, don't change a damn thing unless it has to be changed. Because to me, that flies in the face that what we've been doing for all these years before, before the Messiah came, was wrong. Now, you don't make any changes. You just kind of get a lay of the land. You try to figure out who your shakers and makers are. And as you start slowly toward the end of that first year, you know, recommending some change or how can we do this a little bit better? And that's how you make your mark on a school district. And uh, and I think right now is, like I said, it's bittersweet to, to be retiring, but it's more sweet than bitter. After 31 years in this business, I got a brother who said, you know, you've been putting up with everybody else's kids for 31 years. Now it's time for you to just kind of walk away and wait for your grandkids so you can spoil the daylights out of them. Yeah, very good. Well, Bill, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. And thank you for being part of the mastermind and the value you bring there with a couple of other young principals who are in there who can uh, learn from your 26 years as a principal. And now all of our listeners do. And anytime you want to come back on the podcast, 
when you get lonely, you're welcome to. Yeah, I, can, I, can I just share one more quote? And this is not mine. This is not a billism. This is from Trevor Getson on, in our mastermind group. And I think it was last week. Be loyal to the profession, not to the district. I, I love that quote. I absolutely love that quote. Thank you, Trevor. Yeah. Even, uh, even all these years, you're still learning stuff, which I think is just inspiring. Thank you. Thank you to our valued partner, John Cat Educational. If you are a leader looking to make transformative change by providing yourself and your leaders and teachers with professional development that is research-based and rigorous, yet easy to digest and full of practical strategies, check out the latest publications from John Cat. Visit us.johncatbookshop.com to find information on bulk orders or learn much more in our show notes. You can also use the code TRANSFORMATIVE to save a bundle at us.johncatbookshop.com. School principals across the country are using TeachFX's virtual PD and job-embedded feedback to boost student engagement during COVID. With TeachFX, teachers get eight times more feedback and generate 144% more student engagement on average in a school year with no additional work for school leaders or teachers. To learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer, visit teachfx.com slash principal. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE.